Welcome to Captain's Corner, a podcast about community, mission, and culture. This podcast is a ministry of the Salvation Army of Tampa, where we exist because we believe every person can be the person God has called them to be. Please check us out at tampasa.org and give us a follow on Twitter at SalArmyTampa. And of course, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We hope you guys enjoy the episode. Well, welcome to Captain's Corner. Captain Andy Miller coming to you from Tampa, Florida. And I am delighted today to have on an author that has made a big impression on me and my family, S.D. Smith or Sam Smith. Sam, welcome to Captain's Corner. Thank you, Captain. This is a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm very curious if I could possibly be deputized or something for <laughs> well, an emergency or something. Oh, yes. Yeah, let's see what we could do. Uh, you're you're going close to Beckley, West Virginia. Maybe we can see what we can do to deputize you or uh, create an honorary rank for, uh, for, for writers <laughs> we appreciate. <laughs> That's yeah. all I want. That's all I want in life. I need that. I need, uh, I need not not an honorary doctorate, just I need an honorary lieutenant or something. You know, that's uh, that's all I need in life. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. You know, you're the very first person to ask me that on the podcast. So I guess by virtue of the fact that you're the first one to ask, maybe it should be granted. I'll talk to the general in an hour here. We'll see what he says. Thank you. Okay. I'm, I'll be waiting on, on pins and needles. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're we're really glad to, to have the chance to talk with you. I'm, I say we because I feel like I'm speaking on behalf of my children too. Um, Sam has written several books, a, a, a books in a series called the Green Ember series, and I have read this entire series to my two boys and, and my daughter Georgia, uh, my youngest, has, has come along for the fun as well, and my wife from time to time. But we we have just become huge fans. Of S.D. Smith, and we we've read the the smaller books as well, and we um, have heard a little bit about your story. But I'm hopeful that people will be interested in what you have to say, and maybe even just a little piece of some of the stories um, that might make them want to read your books and be blessed in the same way we have. Uh, I, I would just love for you to tell you were not seeking out, I, I believe, to become a full time you know children's author. Is that correct? Can you tell us a little about what led up to writing the Green Ember series professionally for you two? Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. I feel really honored uh, that you your family has enjoyed this this uh, series and that's um yeah, I, I didn't have a huge ambition on that front. I guess I I it's certainly taken a different form than I expected. Right. You know, that's maybe that's not true. So I, I, I think what I had were, were, you know, how you kind of get a little bit older, you, you, you maybe when you're young, you, you pray very boldly and you're super clear, like, Lord, I have to marry this girl right here, <laughs> you know, or, or, sure. or, or everything, all the plans of the universe and your, your sovereignty, everything is in question. If this doesn't work, you know, right, you have these right. sort of, Ignorant boldness, <laughs> and if, you know. As you, maybe as you get older, maybe more mature, your, your prayers. You have some more experience, like getting what you want, and uh, right. Uh, not necessarily about marriage or, or relationship, that kind of thing, but just about anything. And you're like, holy cow, maybe I, maybe I'm not the best judge right. <laughs> of what I need. Maybe God is. You trust but, God. You know, right. so my, yeah. So I think my prayers got a little more, um, maybe a little more humble, and it kind of, I think, for a while maybe around the time of the green ember, I was, I had been working on some other novels and I worked on a novel there. Um, I was working on novels at the time and, and I sort of had a prayer of like, 
Lord, I would love to do this. Hmm. You know, I would love to do this full time. I would love to do this. But that seemed like a, a sort of my mind. I thought, well, I'll write some books and, you know, we'll see. And at some point, if it's, you know, if I can get, get that going a little bit, maybe I could like retire early right. and do that work, you know, or, or maybe teach some. And do, so I kind of, I didn't, it, was, it, it all happened much faster than I expected as far as huh. um, the, the growth of it. But I, I think I did have sort of the vision of like, I could see how this would make sense or this is where my heart is. I have a right. heart for, for kids and, and so, uh, but but the, the the thing started out like you said, it's very modestly stories that I told my own kids, um, right. just sort of based on sitting on the. I used to tell my kids stories, you know, frequently, and uh, the, the uh, I'm actually looking right now at the porch, which is uh, our next door neighbors. Now we moved from our next door neighbor's house to ours, huh. uh, so we moved about you know 80 yards away from where we are, from where we were. So I'm looking right now at the porch where the green number began and right. I was sitting on the porch and there were rabbits hopping around in the yard there and started telling my little daughter stories about these little rabbits. And that, 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 that grew into kind of a routine because she, she loved the stories. And, um, so that, but it, so it was, it was a story that very much like belonged to our little family. It was, hmm. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, it had, uh, really my two oldest kids, that's where the sort of the older brother and younger older sister and younger brother characters came from. They were sort of, you know, somewhat loosely based on those kids and, and especially in the beginning and it kind of grew from there. It was a long, long sort of, uh, uh, um, out loud told story, uh, kind of a, a eight to 10 year long draft of that. And then eventually, you know, wrote, wrote it down. And, and when we shared it, you know, I, I, yeah, I certainly did not have the expectation that it would, that it would kind of take off the way it did, but but uh, it feels like a lot of a lot of other families have resonated sort of the way we did, which was like a really pleasant surprise for us. Well, and, and when you're talking there briefly about like looking on the backyard, I didn't tell anybody like the nature of the stories when I entered. I just gave the names, oh, the green name. right. and and um, so I, often you know people. Well, not often. When people ask me what I was reading, you know, of course I'm reading things, preparing for sermons, maybe some academic books or these sort of things along the way. But uh, my favorite answer would be to answer with what I was reading at nighttime with my kids when I would t- tell them about your books. And so people, I would say, well, I'm reading a series called The Green Ember. Have you heard of it? And I wouldn't tell them as a children's book. And then, uh, uh, oh, is it appropriate to say children's book or is it more like a mid? What, what's a What's a children's novels? Uh, what's the best description? I think so. I think so. I, mean, it's, I think it's technically middle grade. Middle grade, but, okay. But but I didn't know that term when I when I wrote it. So okay, there <laughs> you go. To, I had to learn that later. <laughs> well, and I and, and I of course it's middle grade, so I guess that that's the category I should be in because I enjoy them so much myself. But the. They are people had asked me um, what I'm reading. I said I'm reading the Green Ember, and they said, "Well, what's that about?" And I said, "Oh, it's a story about rabbits and swords, and these rabbits <laughs> that come uh, that are personified and take on the world, and their worlds falling apart." I mean, so you, when you say that, you're looking over your porch. I'm at where there are literally rabbits in your backyard that you named, and then these became the characters in your story. Um, yeah, they there were rabbits in the yard. There were rabbits okay. hopping around in the yard, and that was pretty normal. I mean, we kind of live in the country in, in West Virginia, um, and so yeah, there were there were there frequently were rabbits out there, and there were rabbits at the time, and that's why the story has features rabbits. Yeah, it wasn't, but not rabbits with swords. No, I didn't notice any swords. Okay, I okay. just sort of imagine <laughs> those there, but uh, I got to do a little bit of work, you know. I can't yeah. just, I'm not a not just a reporter, you know. But I had my a little bit. So, so could could you give a little um, 
Well, well, let me back up to the story of like the book's success. So when you wrote it, it was, was it, there was not, you might've had an idea that maybe this could take off, but was it just almost um, uh, cataloging what you had done with your kids? Like almost like, hey, uh, we told these stories, this has been good for our family and we might as well keep it, I mean, keep it in a place where we can at least access this story later. Or what was uh, what were you thinking when you were writing it down? Were you were you imagining it could lead to a career? So there was a there was an element sort of of both um, okay. in there, and not not so much imagining a career, but the, it it had it. There was definitely the spirit, and a lot of the events, including the climax, uh, were certainly something that I was eager to reproduce in the in the novel. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from the very beginning, I sort of, you know, it was a long time. And when the, when the kids, when I started telling the stories to the kids, the kids were very young. So that the, the nature of the story was, was, was somewhat different. So it grew and expanded. The world grew. And, um, so it, it the, the novel took on a, a life of its own that was, that was separate that carried with it sort of, again, the spirit, but there were a lot of details that were different it, it became a new thing too um and and I, we had actually talked about that and the kids were the, the climax of the first book the climax of the green ember itself right. happened and i'm looking out a different window now <laughs> happened um uh, near uh, our well, underneath what we call a step tree our step tree and that is the it's called step tree because the roots around the sides kind of look like steps and um and so we were right right out there when um when i we came to the climax of the sort of what came, what, what the what, what how the green ember novel actually finishes and it was right after that that it was all those stories i never i didn't do any planning for them they just were just kind of spontaneous in the moment and mm-hmm. they were sort of being written as as told and uh and, and but when we got to that part it was it was a really it was a really fun climax of, yeah of, it was. Of, a, of a of a series and so of a series of stories that I told them and, and they were, and we were all kind of like, wow, that was, that was fun. Like even, even I was kind of like, Oh, that was cool. I enjoyed that. And, and the kids were like, dad, you have to write this down. You have to write it down. So it wow. got to be, cause we've discussed it before, but the kids were very kind of insistent. So I, so my, my, my heart for when I wrote it down was definitely preservation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I, and I thought the, the lowest, the worst thing that could happen is that I write something that the kids have, and right. it kind of is a memorial to our experience together. Yes. They give it to their kids, and it becomes this kind of a thing in our family that's like precious. Maybe it's not that great, but it's like it's it's something that means something to them. So that was like that was the intention, the okay. gift to them. Yes. And that was like the lowest. And I thought aiming high again it was sort of those prayers of like, well, Lord, you know, you can do whatever you want. This was special for us, and there, I sort of had this conf- conflicting feeling about when we went to publish it. Publish it with my brother-in-law. Okay. who had, had worked in publishing before, but we kind of, we did it independently, you might say self-published. It was kind of a, definitely just us. Um, right. And he, he had some expertise on that, which was a real gift and kind of an unfair advantage in some ways. He made, mm-hmm. he made it look good and we, we got good art and we yeah, had some good, some good blessings that were, that were um, not because of me. Um, uh, you know, like everything in life, it's sort of, yeah. it was a, it was a community thing. Yes. Amen. I, I had a conflicting emotions. I had, on, on the one hand, I thought, when, when we were getting closer, I thought, no one's going to buy this. No one's going to get this. No one's going to get a chance because it's too um, sort of epic or big scope. It's too serious. It's too 
intense for little kids, mm-hmm. um, but it's bunnies. So, yes. but, but older kids are not going to read about bunnies. So I thought I've written this, the, 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 the perfect book for no one to read, you know, like it's going to miss all groups. It's kind of, I had that fear. And that was, that was a genuine, that was a genuine, like, oh, that's probably really what's going to happen. That was really stupid of me. I should have thought about that. But I, I never thought about marketing. I never thought about what was high. I was informed at the time personified animals are out. You know, nobody cares about that anymore. It's old fashioned, you know, and so right. I, I had no, no market uh, research, no, no, nothing at all. It was just what do I love? What do we love? What do my kids love? Right. What would be good for them? I wasn't thinking about sensitivity to the market at all, and I felt free not to. Yeah. It was kind of a free shot, but but I did have that fear. There was I had two things going on in my mind. One was like, "Hey, I like this. It's okay. This isn't this isn't too bad." And and uh, and you know, along with all the normal self doubt that people experience, maybe right. writers in particular. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, but then on the other hand, I was like, "Who's going to read this? This is like not this age thing is not going to work. Right. <laughs> it's it's just it's too it's too mature and it's too so." But anyway, I was I was happy happy to be proven wrong and, and, and surprised and continue to be sort of surprised that it's that that whole age thing actually might be sort of like a I don't know that's maybe like a secret maybe that's a feature oh. not a bug uh, because what I've found is that people read them with their four year olds up to their twenty year olds and huh. grandmas read them and grandpas read them and, and so I find I hear from people all the time I'm not really your your age range your your appropriate age range but. You know, the truth is, it's like a human story, and maybe it is sort of independent reading, middle grade students is great, but I've heard, I, I'm convinced now, um, after years, that, that, that it really is suitable for, for a fairly wide uh, age range of people, and, and, I, and that's, so, that's when I, another one of those things that I had nothing to do with, so right, I was like, right. I wasn't clever enough <laughs> yeah. to figure that out, I wasn't clever, I did all my scheming, I couldn't, you know, and, and I've just seen that sort of again and again. You know, we never we didn't have a plan for like getting it to really important people, or like right. we didn't know how to. We didn't we didn't know important people really. <laughs> uh, it's amazing so, how God so works just, that way. I mean, he he comes in. Oh, sorry, yeah. you were going to finish a thought there. Let me let you get finished. No, I, well, no, you're right. That's that's you're exactly right. That's that's it is amazing how how little uh, you know how, how much God's sovereignty has come into play in this for me is just seeing like, I, I know what I'm good at kind of right. now. What did you do I'm for not. a profession and, before writing, before going full-time as a writer? I was uh, working in a kind of adult education, working with sort of uh, some marginalized folks who were attempting to go from uh, work, welfare to work. Okay. Um, trying to uh, work in sort of on the education and assessment side of that. I traveled around to uh, several counties in, in southern West Virginia, and, okay. and did that. That was sort of my day job. And, oh, maybe you yeah. could get in the Salvation Army. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, maybe so. Yeah, I've got, a, I've got a, a degree in Bible and a degree in social work. Uh, so okay, could, where did you go to school? Where did you? Could work in, where did you I? Uh, I went to a little Bible college here in West Virginia, and then I uh, got my master's in social work at w, WVU, West Virginia University. Okay. Well, yeah, those that lines up pretty well with a uh, Salvation Army emphasis. Now, one of the interesting things that I can happened, feel that uh, honorary lieutenant. I know. On. I can feel it. No, you didn't know you're getting it. recruited. That's what's really happening here. This is a recruitment call. So, oh, so, good. <laughs> Sam, you are now being called the Salvation Army officers. <laughs> I remember reading about you know General Booth and and his family, you know, uh, as as a young person and being just really super inspired by. So what was happening there, and and the story of Salvation Army is obviously, it's a, 
it's one of the, of the beauty and goodness and and I love it. So um, it, it's it's cool to talk to you. Yeah. Well, thanks for saying. Today. So, like the the idea, of, you know, Salvation Army, our mission is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and meet human needs in His name without discrimination. And it's it's in some ways it reminds me a bit of your own story. You wouldn't have ever predicted that this would be how God would choose to work. Like there, here's a, a guy who decided to leave full-time ministry, William Booth, and um, become an itinerant evangelist and found his way to the east end of London where there was a, a, kind of like the people who had been suffering as a result of industrial revolution were there. And, and then this group that he tried to send to other churches came back and then formed his own church and eventually became the Salvation Army. And now is like in 131 countries and uh, serving in ways uh, through a uh, Evangel- evangelical theology, Wesleyan theology that leads us to, you know, reach out to people who are at their lowest points in life. And I just can't look at all of this and like the fact that there are, um, you know, over a million members of our churches and we have a, in the USA a national budget of $4 billion. Like how, how all this came because of that? You know, it, this has to yeah. be that God raised the Salvation Army up. And I think like, and I'm not, not just trying to pivot, like compare you too much to William Booth or something here, but, but it's just that all of us have that within a, a sense that God has, is calling us to be the people he wants us to be. And we don't know what that next step is. And I think your story is so interesting in that regard that this was not like i mean there's a gifting there but god's taken it and used it to bless so many people now now tell me a little bit about the um how many books are in the uh green ember series now um yeah can i just comment oh, yeah, yeah. on what you just said yeah just please real quickly i'm sorry i didn't mean I to pivot wanna... too much no i appreciate that very much uh i just think that what you said is so important and even if you're like an aspiring author or you you're, you care about the marginalized and you're and you're looking for sort of, I just feel like what you you just emphasize like being faithful in small things and 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 think I just can I advocate think thinking small like yeah. as small as possible like to me even the story like the like my kids like thinking about them and loving them like me loving them the act of love for them has spread in this way that's really surprising I just feel like we we can't we I think. You know, even even young writers who are like, I want you know, they want to be experts at like networking and figuring out all the latest things right. and the trends and everything. And I, and I get that, and I understand. Like, you have to be kind of, you have to be willing to share, and you have to figure out how you're going to share your stuff. But, but I mean, if it's not good, then yeah. it doesn't, it shouldn't be shared anyway. So yes. like, make it, you know, develop quality and develop and love. Like as a writer, like loving your audience like and even if that's really small and really particular like that's yes. better like that 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 actually translates better like you know you hear a love song on the radio and it's and you, know, you just think oh man that's how i feel that's how i feel and then it's like says some girl's name that the guy's pining for or whatever and it's like it's a particular thing but it has such a universality to it and and i feel like we try to like i'm gonna write the next terry potter i'm gonna write the next yeah, yeah. of narnia and you just can't do, you can't do it. Yes, you're, yes. You know, one thing, you're not good enough, and, like, it would just be, another thing. you don't need to, you need to find your own sort of story and your own calling. And, and so I just feel like I, I resonate so much with what you just said about letting God deal with sort of the, uh, how how it expands. And, and again, again, now I feel like I'm wise enough to know, like, there's, there are some levels of sort of expansion, popularity um, that I don't want. Wow. <laughs> that yeah. I, I, you know, that, that that's not a really a, that, that that can get you, you know, that, that are just like, you're not maybe prepared for. So, so my prayers now are really tempered by that kind of thing. Like, yeah, we want to, yeah, I'd love to do a movie. I'd love to do this. Uh, but you know, maybe I think the Lord like knows what I'm, what, what my capacity 
capacities are and like how I could handle that, right. you know, that different kinds of growth. So anyway, I just feel like what you said was so important. I just oh, I appreciate it. And you highlight something else that. that I appreciate from you in this and um, is the, the pursuit of excellence. Like one of the things about your books is um, uh, a Christian will be able to pick up on the fact that there are redemptive themes that are like connected to, you know, um, Jesus's return and the renewal of all things and, uh, you know, even like atonement. I mean, there's all sorts of pieces that come through your writing, but I could take this book and, and in the Salvation Army, one of the unique things of us as a church is that we in, interact with many people who aren't Christians. And I could hand mm-hmm. your book um, to them because it's excellent. It's written well. Mm-hmm. And you're taking, like, I love, I love how you say, like, you're loving your audience and, honestly like i'm not we i appreciate it like i sense that but i feel like because you're doing that well it it brings light into a dark world and i i honestly think that it it could be just a part of the breadcrumbs that lead people to christ is that they pick up on these themes because you're telling stories in, in my view very well um talk about that like the pursuit of excellence in the midst of all this for you as opposed to a pursuit of a dollar or market or a career yeah, I really again I resonate so much with what you're saying. I yeah, I did I, I more of the Tolkien school of thought um on on sort of I'm not a big fan of allegory. Uh, you know, Tolkien right. talked about uh, um cordially disliking allegory in all its forms ever since he was old enough to detect its presence um, mm. because it lies in the purposeful domination of the reader by the author and and um what he he talked about applicability versus allegory, sort of like people mistake those two things. And I think what I find when I read uh, Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, and those things is not not allegory at all, but but, but incredible applicability. Um, I love what I ought to love. I mean, probably there's no spirit. I've read thousands, probably, of spiritual books, doctrine, uh, history. I love theology. I actually don't. Uh, not a big fan of the way that many artists kind of poo-poo theology and hmm. uh, i love that but i've never i've never read anything that's impacted me more spiritually than than the lord of the rings outside of the scripture i think or it's right up there um just super powerful in my life and wow. helping me to love what i ought to love but but Tolkien didn't didn't wasn't teaching a lesson he was he was his but, but reality with the capital r was flowing through what he was writing it was so applicable right. um to the world that god made and to me so I, I love that and that's that's what i want to do so honest stories i don't i don't i've not tried to um i've not tried to sort of sneakily communicate a message but but the hope of the gospel and and the uh i hope the, that reality with capital r is something that i've imbibed and, and feasted on for for many years and so that's gonna leak out in in the in the narratives um not in a didactic or, or right, you know, right. not in a teaching kind of a way but in a but in an honest, um, hopefully, way that I, that I pour myself into the characters and try to tell faithful stories. Not, not um, uh, Tolkien talked about telling true stories. Not not the events happen, but that right. they that they comport with reality in this way. And so I, that's my sort of school of, of thought on yes on that stuff where I come from. And so I, I um so I, I hope for that. I, I do care about. I have to you know I, I want to sell books. I, I I'm running a business and you in, want in, to in, provide in for your family. <laughs> I do. I want to do. Yeah, I want to I want to take care of those things, and I want to be successful. And I pray. But you're right that the the, the main thing. And John Lasseter said that the quality is the best business plan, hmm. and I, and I I agree with that pr- deeply because I just feel like it, nothing else matters <laughs> if you hmm. if it's not good, then yes. all the other stuff doesn't work. And and really, our marketing strategy is kind of a similar strategy to uh, what 
lot to do with the writing, and that is basically it can be boiled down to two words, which are remove obstacles. Hmm. Yes. And uh, so our, our whole marketing strategy is like we're not trying to like go convert someone who doesn't care about this kind of thing like we're trying to go remove obstacles from people for whom this would be a good adventure who who, people who want it we're not we're not trying to necessarily but but like you said i think it's you know the the market is for it's for people who like stories and kids and uh, and families and and uh and if you and there's lots of different hooks but we mostly had other people doing our marketing for us because they and i think part of that is because we tried to make a um, something that was good, and, and I think, and, and all writers are trying to do that, and, and, and who knows why something clicks or this or that. You know, I think it's you know it's kind of like a like a great uh, old uh, chef in the kitchen. You know, you can't, you can't you say like, well, how many teaspoons did you get? And it's not always easy to just reduce it down to the formula yes. or the recipe. I think there's something that happens in all the sort of um, interactions, and, and, and some, sometimes that alchemy can kind of be magical. And, yeah. and I don't know, I don't, and I, again, I feel like part of that is like not able to take credit for that because I don't know how it happened. Well, <laughs> exactly. I, you've done that really well enough. in, in removing obstacles. Uh, even I, I've ordered the fourth book, which I doesn't come out for a few months, I guess. And I'll tell you what, you left us in the biggest cliffhanger. If that, that fourth book better come because, uh, the way you left the third book, I'm telling you, we are just like. It's going to be one of the longest year and a couple of months uh, that we've had to endure. <laughs> so it's <laughs> funny, you know. It's that's so funny because it is. It is. I know it does have a uh, a cliffhanger, but I knew that was going to be a while, and so I actually tried to make that one have the third one, the third book, Ember Rising, have some finality to it, as far as like. Yes. It, yes. It was. I think it was a, a more of an ending actually than the second book, which was more of a cliffhanger. I right. But anyway, I don't, well, it, I like it, how it kept me like. Oh well, I, I guess it's not a cliffhanger in this. It's like this. It's hope. It's and and I'm sorry, folks. I'm not going to tell you the details. But uh, when you get to the, end of the third book, there's just this like clear idea that there's a there's a hope coming. And uh, I love. And, 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 and by the way, you know, you've ruined many bed, you know, bedtimes for us because. <laughs> Every chapter, many chapters are cliffhanging <laughs> chapters. I'm like, okay, we'll go a few more pages. This is what it'll take. <laughs> That's, uh, you know, I didn't do that on purpose. I, I, um, the, I think I just sort of did that naturally in the first book. Actually, two things happened that have sort of like become more practice, more intentional practice for me after this. But I sort of had to be told, like, the, the I was on a podcast from uh, Sarah McKenzie, who the Read Aloud Revival, and she's been a great, she's just been a huge um sort of a proponent, I guess, and uh, become a good friend and everything. She's, but she, she was like, it's obvious that she wrote this book to be read aloud. And I was like, really? Because <laughs> I, I, I definitely didn't. But apparently, you know, that the read aloud community really embraced it. And that was, again, that was another thing that I like, I didn't really plan that. But, but later I sort of, oh, I think I can think about that. And then the same thing with the chapter endings. Like there's something natural about sort of like, I've heard from a lot of reluctant readers, a lot of, folks uh kids who struggle with dyslexia yeah. um, a lot of boys who are, who are slow readers which is which is what i was mm-hmm. um that they're like oh, this is the first book i read you know a lot of, i think it's part of that is because it has this momentum to it it has this yeah. kind of like um you know kind of forces you to keep going by you know the, the chapter endings kind of push you into the next one so i've done that a little more intentionally as i've gone on but it was another like sort of accidental <laughs> Uh, accidental thing that happened with the with the first one. I was in my ignorance, so it, it just sort of happened, uh, which I'm grateful for. This episode of Captain's Corner is brought to you by WPO Development. 
I have a good friend, Keith Waters, who's the CEO of WPO Development, and he has a phrase he uses all the time that I have found to be very helpful, and it's this. If you don't know where you are going, any path will take you there. Isn't that true? Both in our personal lives and especially in our ministries. It is critical that we all have a clear plan and a path to where we want to go. Keith and his company, WPO, have worked with the Salvation Army and other ministries across the country and can help you develop a strong mission planning study all the way up to managing a capital campaign. I'm currently working with Keith and his team here in Tampa and would urge you to contact them if you have any planning or campaign needs at info at wpodevelopment.com or you can just Google them and find their website as well. God bless you. Well, I have two more quick things. I, I know we, we don't have much longer, and I, I want to take advantage of the time. One kind of kind of uh, funny comment, and I tweeted this at you. I know you have a lot of people following you, but um, my I with my fan I took my kids to see Peter Rabbit, um, and that was a you know slapstick sort of humor. But the one bright hope for me was that there was a that movie gave me the the glimmer of hope that your books could be made into a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe so. I hope so. The um, uh, other piece, I wanted to, there, there's a quote that you have in The Last Archer, and it's not actually, it's, it's just you describing what you think stories do. And you've hit on some of this already when you talked about the Tolkien School. Um, but I'm going to just read this quote, and I'd love to unpack with you just for a minute, as, however long we can get here. But you say, I believe that when, when they, and you're talking about stories, I believe that when they hint at a rebuke of darkness, when the, they whisper to us that a hero may rise to set things right, they tell the truth. So in a way, these stories are true. My friend Heidi Johnson says, the best stories are not an escape from reality, but an escape into reality. I have used that, those couple lines in a few sermons. I mean, I, I think that that speaks to I mean, not just the what your stories are doing, but what the Christian's task is in the world as a result mm -hmm. of the time in which we're li living. Um, I know you already talked about that a little bit earlier, but could you talk to me a little about that Heidi Johnson quote and what you see your stories and your vocation doing in, the, um, mm. in, in that vein? Sure, for sure. And, and first of all, I'll just say that Heidi Johnson is a, is a, a writer who I would wholeheartedly recommend. She's brilliant. Uh, Northern Ireland uh, comes from the same area as C.S. Lewis, mm. um, just a fantastic, uh, fantastic writer. She's written a book called Choosing Love um, for, for sort of like teens and tweens, mm. uh, I think mostly girls, thinking about um, the, sort of the narrative um, of of romance and that kind of thing. It's just fantastic. My wife mm. and daughters are doing a book study on it right now. It's excellent. And um, there's another one called The Big Story, which is about Deuteronomy. Anyway, she's a, she's a, I would encourage you to look her oh, up. Oh, thank you Heidi for mentioning Johnson. it. Yeah. She, she, she's, uh, she's outstanding. Um, but yeah, I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. And I think that, you know, Christians have been suspicious of stories, I think, uh, in a sort of a well-founded way. <laughs> Because yeah. I don't know if our, if our um, particular reactions have always been outstanding, but I think our, our suspicion that they are powerful and that mm. they are shaping is true. And so I think uh, it's well-founded. And, and, and sort of the toxic narratives that we are often offered, you know, that kids are often offered, um, 
they they matter. I think they 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 shape. I think sometimes we think, well, we'll go to church and we'll get the inform- the correct information, and then we will kind of let whoever sort of shape our imaginations throughout the week and, and by what we read, by what we consume, and stories and and right now we have it's a it's a, a golden age uh, in in a sense of entertainment and of storytelling because there's you know with the, with the advent of streaming and right. they're just everywhere storytelling is everywhere there's such a huge market for it and you know it's a it's a golden age but it might be a golden age for golden calves in some ways it's like a, it's not a we're not always um, I just think that some of our suspicion is not well founded some of it I think is but I think you know some of us feel caught between sort of the storytelling of some of the toxic uh, sort of virulent um, Mm. uh, sort of humanist storytelling that is like a an open um, kind of challenge to to God's authority and God's law that kind of a thing Mm -hmm. and then on sort of on the other hand we have this we have some 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 sort of in, in in scare quotes Christian material that's that doesn't always tell the story about reality in a faithful way either. That's kind of safe for the whole family in a, in a, in a dangerous way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sort of simplistic, like, um, you know, you, you, you start reading the Bible and then your, your team's going to start winning the championship or something, or there's, you know, there's kind of, kind of a simplistic, right, um, right, right. simplistic, almost like a patting the audience on the head, like right. yeah, everything you think is right. It's good. Instead of this very challenging sort of um, a comprehensive narrative that we have in Scripture, which is it's incredibly comprehensive, incredibly yes. lots of different kinds of stories, I think that storytelling is not narrow. Christian storytelling shouldn't be narrow. It should be the most comprehensive. I think Christianity is such a comprehensive worldview. Yes. It accounts for reality. It accounts for stories of failure, and um, you know, and even in martyrdom, and all. You know, there's all kinds mm. of ways that the stories work. There's the consequences of sin and. Um, getting away with sin for a long time that happens in scripture there's just a lot of like different uh ways to tell christians to, to be a christian storyteller i think um but uh so i think but i think some, some of us feel sort of caught between those two poles of like this really toxic stuff and this sort of safe for the whole family in a dangerous right. way and uh but i think that the, the power is in telling um honest as honest stories as we as we can and i do think that for, for me there. The, the most faithful kind of Christian stories, the most, um, the, the kind that I'm hungry for, I guess, are ones that leave me um, with, with a sort of a, a taste of hope, with, mm-hmm. a, with, a, with a longing for, uh, for, some, for things being put right. And again, that doesn't have to be that way, but I think yes. that, that if the, the sort of the most Christian story do have that sort of, um, um, have that in, in the heart. And because I, for me, as, as a sort of a, uh, introverted, um, uh, creative type, you know, all the cliches about that are true about me. Like, I don't really need to read stuff that, that gets me down. Like, I'm, right. <laughs> I'm sort of already <laughs> there. I, uh, yeah, I'm sort of already there naturally. And, I, and personally, I need stuff that, and I, I don't want, I want stuff that deals with the darkness, that deals with Right, right. Um, Acknowledges evil. reality. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want that in my books and I want that, I want to, I want to read that. But I, but I, but I want, I want hope. I need hope. Amen. I mean, I need to hit. Hints of the of the new world. I need it, uh, and so I kind of write uh, what I what I need. <laughs> yeah, and I love I love the language. I know that this is from Heidi's language, but that it's an escape into mm-hmm. reality, in, in, in yeah. that reality of a hope filled understanding of the world, of where the world's going with Jesus's return and Him putting all things right. I think that that's 
been placed into us by our creator so that we can long mm-hmm. for those sort of things. Well, I, I would love to keep this going for a long, long time. And I think um, if you can, I, I do have a request. My, my son, um, they want to know, this is their question, and I'm sure you get it a lot. What is your favorite Green Ember book? And you might not have an answer. Hmm. My favorite Green Ember book. Um, I, that is like asking me to pick between my favorite children, which is, <laughs> which is easy to do uh, because um, there's some of the kids aren't that great. You know, some of them are really great. So. Um, no, I, I uh, that's the old cliche that, that uh, I like to turn on its head. But yeah, I do have a favorite book. I, I, I think, well, uh, I really enjoyed, so there's something special about The Green Ember because of kind of the stuff we talked about that right, it, it right. has this sort of special place for me. I don't think it's my best book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably the, maybe the worst as far as like quality. And I think it's, I think I got better as a writer, um, mm-hmm. which is natural. Which, um, But I, when I, I left my job um, a couple years ago and, and spent time writing uh, Ember Rising. Yeah. And I I loved Ember Rising an awful lot. It, it, it was this really... I had such a joy-filled experience writing it. Mm. Uh, so after the Green Ember came out, and it was kind of surprising, you know, the popular there was a lot of people. I heard from a lot of people wanting more, and and um, so I had there was a little bit of pressure with that second book because it was you know, I think that was kind of like a you know everybody is aware of sort of the sophomore slump that right. the second albums are never good <laughs> and the second movies are never good and sequels are only bad. And so I was kind of had this little bit of pressure there, and I thought, well, you know, this is a chance for people to just throw it turn off and then also i had a kind of a really significant um negative thing happen in the second book too that yes. i was like worried that a, a little bit about how people are going to receive that and i had people tell me some of the advanced readers saying people are they're not gonna they're not gonna stick with you after this and hmm. so i was I had a little bit of concern there but after that came out and that was um you know people people seemed to love that as well and there was, I had, I felt a lot of freedom um, with the third book, and uh, I felt like, and plus it wasn't the last one, so it wasn't the second one, and it wasn't the last one, so that that gave me this sort of window of joy, yeah, sure, uh, to be able to like, I just felt a little more free, and I thought I can move the story along, and I, I like this story a lot, I like Heather in it particularly, and like what she's going through in a different locations, it was kind of fun to write, and I just enjoyed it, I, had, I was smiling, I was going to work every day, smiling and enjoying it, and didn't feel a lot of pressure that. I did feel um, yeah. writing Embers End, the, the last one, because it has a different, you know, I, had to, I felt this sort of weight of like, oh, I've got to, I've got to tie up all the threads and I've got, yeah. to, I've got to, you know, make it satisfactory and I bet it's got to be honest, it's got to be real, but it's got to, it's got to be painful, but it's got to be, you know, so I, I felt, so maybe Ember Rising and then I wrote, I wrote um, The Last Archer right around the same time, mm-hmm. uh, Ember Rising, and then I immediately wrote The Last Archer pretty quickly and, um, and I, both of those, I just I loved, I had such a fun experience with that. I've loved the little books, how you can can come around the same story and then you you see the story from a different perspective. And um, as a preacher, I have to do that regularly. You know, every every yeah. Easter I preach the same story. So and actually, hopefully every Sunday I preach the same story. But uh, you have to figure out like the different perspective. And I, I enjoyed seeing you do that. Um, and and you know, that uh, in the Ember Falls when you have the kind of the tough moment. I'll just say, and I know I'm giving a little bit away here. Um, I was always predicting that hope was coming, that that was going to be resolved. So, uh, yeah. And I'll, I'll be interested to see how that lays out. Well, how could people get in um, get in touch with your books or your writings or those sort of things? If you could let us know, like how they could find you online. 
Sure. Um, one really low bar, easy thing. If you like, I'm a big audiobook person myself, but we we're giving away the green number, the first book on, on audio for oh. everybody who signs up for my newsletter. So, and, I, and my newsletter is pretty innocuous. I don't send stuff like every day. I probably maybe once, maybe twice a month, possibly. And so I, I'm not a big fan of like killing people with some um, advertising and stuff. So anyway, but, but that's a, that's a good way for, for us. And then if you like it, then, then you, you, you'll go on. So it's, uh, so you're, it's kind of a low, easy way to try it. But, um, my, my website is sdsmith.net. Okay. And there's a little tab there that says free audiobook, and you can click on that or sdsmith.net slash update. And there's a, you can go there and get a free, get the free green number audiobook. Awesome. Uh, that, maybe that would be, but I'm kind of on all the stuff, you know, Facebook and Instagram, whatever, if you want to, if you want to, Spend your time that way. Great. If you don't, I'm fully, fully supportive of you, Amen. Uh, of that choice. Amen. Yeah. Well, I would. Love, I hope we get a chance to meet someday, face to face, and we just appreciate the way you've been able to follow God's voice as He's led you down this path, starting on your porch, and I mean, starting long before that through God's provenient grace, but starting on your porch, telling these stories to your kids, and you know, we just we take, you know. Encouragement from your obedience and to see what God can do with that. And I take that for my own life too. So thanks for joining me today. And um, we look forward to being in touch with you in the future. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Captain's Corner. If you'd like to learn more about us, please feel free to check us out at tampasa.org and give us a follow on Twitter at Sal Army Tampa. And of course, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next time.